Hey guys, you're listening to episode 31 of the Finish Line Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. Today, we're speaking with Jeff Gowler, the president and CEO of Global Media Outreach. Welcome to the show. My name is Keelan Hobelman, and I'm here with my co-host and brother, Cody. On today's episode, we're joined by Jeff Gowler, the president and CEO of Global Media Outreach, which seeks to give every person on earth multiple opportunities to know Christ by leveraging technology and the internet. Jeff started off in the business world, working his way up to executive vice president of operations for one of the top five home building companies in the country before setting off to start his own home building company. After God abruptly got his attention, he pivoted to full-time ministry, eventually becoming the CEO of Global Media Outreach. Since its founding in 2004, during the early days of the internet, GMO has had over 250 million indicated decisions for Christ and has reached over 2.2 billion people with the message of the gospel using digital technology, including social media and over 110 different websites. With numbers that large, it's easy to think that these gospel presentations or indications for Christ are simply clicks on a website and nothing more. However, Global Media Outreach has an intensive network of over 3,500 online volunteer missionaries who follow up every online interaction with a personal conversation and discipleship. As a testament to GMO's commitment to follow up and discipleship in 2020, there were over 750,000 people who had been in a relationship with an online missionary for over a year. We had all sorts of questions for Jeff about how technology is rapidly accelerating the spread of the gospel and what it will take to finish the task. You won't want to miss what he had to share. Before we get started, do you ever wish you could find more people who are passionate about generosity, serving their communities, and advancing the gospel? Well, check out our Facebook group where you can join the discussion and hear what others have experienced in their journeys, including a number of our previous podcast guests. You don't need to have a financial finish line to join. All you need is a passion for glorifying Christ with whatever God has given you to manage. Look for the link in our show notes to learn more. And with that, let's get to our interview. All right, here we are with Jeff Gowler, the president and CEO of Global Media Outreach. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks, Keelan. Appreciate the opportunity. All right. Well, why don't you get us kicked off just telling us a little bit about who you are and where you come from? Well, Keelan, that's kind of a loaded question. I've got a different kind of background than a lot of people probably that are in ministry. I really started out in the business side of things. I didn't necessarily intend to get into ministry. I kind of felt maybe, you know, as a young child, I, I felt, you know, when you go to a vacation Bible school and you do all that, you kind of feel sometimes like God might call you into the ministry or something. But I never really followed through with any of that. Don't know if it was true or not, but, you know, you kind of sometimes feel like that. But I, I ended up going to college for a business degree. I wanted to get into business. I wanted to make lots of money. I wanted to be pretty self-sufficient. That was kind of my thing. That's what I wanted to do. I ended up getting into, into home building. Like I said, I, I was at one point uh, executive vice president of operation for the fifth largest home builder in the country. We were doing a lot of business all around the nation, especially in Denver, where I was living at the time. So got into that. Eventually started my own home building company and took off doing that. Was doing was doing pretty well. It was fairly successful. So I don't know. That's not how I got into ministry, but that's where I was. So. Yeah. So that's 
certainly an interesting background. And obviously, that's not what you're doing now. So connect the dots a little bit for us about how you got from home building to uh, what you're doing at Global Media Outreach. Well, it is kind of a long story, but glad to tell you about it because I think a lot of people have probably traveled a journey fairly similar to this. Was doing pretty well, making a good amount of money, was very comfortable, really felt like I didn't have anything in the world to worry about, and was just kind of going out a path of just building houses, making money, enjoying life. And all of a sudden, the economy kind of changed. Woke up one morning and you could just feel that there was a shift. Unfortunately, when that shift happened, I had quite a few specs going on. I had a large note personally signed by me with the bank. And within several months, the bank started knocking on the door. And it started saying, hey, you've got payments coming up. What are you going to do to fulfill those? Well, it didn't take long to drain pretty much everything we had personally. And so we we did what we needed to do. We worked real hard at making sure we kept current on stuff. But but there came a point in time when it just got really, really tough, when you had to make some pretty serious decisions. And we did make some serious decisions. We we decided we're going to leave everybody else whole if it meant we weren't, but we were going to make sure we got everything paid off. So we did. We didn't file bankruptcy. We didn't do any of that kind of stuff. We counted on God and just said, hey, listen, we're we're here. You guide us through this. You give us a path and we'll take we'll take it. So we did. It took us a long time to work through that, but we ultimately made it to a point where we where we got everything paid off and we could just start kind of a fresh slate. Well, Jeff, I imagine that was an incredibly difficult experience at the time. And I'd love to hear, looking back, how did God use that experience to set up the rest of your life? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I can actually tell you the day that it happened when God actually spoke to me. And I was having my quiet time as I was doing every morning. And I, I would always ask God, where are we going today? And that was just a question that I would just start my day with. I'd sit down with a cup of coffee with the Word, my journal. And all of a sudden, it, was, it wasn't verbal, but it was just as clear as anything I've, I've ever heard from God. And I heard, be still and know that I am God. And I was at a place right there where I had to make a decision. Do I try to rebuild what I had going and try to really take off and go? Or do I make a complete shift? And when I heard, be still and know that I am God, I physically answered the question. I said, surely you jest. Because I couldn't believe you would say something like that. I, a person that doesn't, I don't know how to be still. That's one thing. But then again, I needed to make money too. We had to, I had to provide for a family. and So neither one of those things made any sense. I talked to my wife when she got up and we had a conversation. And I said, I said, I'm just feeling like God's just telling me, he said, be still and know that I am God. And I have a feeling that means get out, stop, don't do this anymore. Just wait for me. And so we made a radical step and I went ahead and closed up everything I was doing, finished off the last projects I'd been working on and said, well, we're going to wait on you and we're going to see what happens. It was a big move to take, but we were both in alignment. We'd both been praying about it and that's what we did. So I, I'm guessing that's not the direction you're hoping for, be still and know that I am God. But did you spend some time being still and where did that take you? You know, I did be still for a while. It, actually, every day I would just be still. I'd get up in the morning, I'd, I'd, I'd do my thing, I'd spend time in the Word, spend time listening, waiting on God, and He started to open doors. And it was interesting as He would start doing that, 
just looking back now, I'd say, wow, what just happened here? Because I wasn't really looking for anything, but God put things in my path. And one of the things I would pray along the journey in there was, God, as we're, as we're going down this path, help me to stay in lockstep with you. Help me to put my foot in your footprints as you take steps. But don't let me go too fast that I go ahead of you. Don't let me go too slow that I lose sight of you. And please keep me out of the ditch. And so as I would walk that journey right there, we'd wait for the next step and the next step. I ended up getting several different job offers all at about the same time. And it was really, it was really amazing. And none of them that I saw coming, but they all just kind of showed up. And it was, it was like, okay, now God, what do you want me to do with that? And so what, what were some of those job offers and what were you kind of working through at that time? Well, I'll tell you exactly what ended up happening. I ended up going to work for Every Home for Christ, a ministry that a lot of people around the, around here know about and uh, got to spend four wonderful years with them, you know, doing ministry all around the world, reaching people, going home to home, reaching people for Jesus, being able to disciple them. It just had a great time. It was, it was a wonderful change for me. I was going from business into ministry. And so that shift was something that was, that was an interesting kind of dichotomy that was going on there grew in my walk with the Lord. That was all good too. And just really enjoyed that time that I had over there. And just the ministry that they were doing was so good. And so, you know, just the evangelism, reaching the lost and just enjoyed every bit of that. It was, it was a lot of fun. I came to a point four and a half years after that and actually got a phone call and didn't take it. It was a recruiter and they said, hey, we got something we'd like to talk to you about. And I said, uh, that's not going to happen. I'm happy where I am. I could stay here for the rest of my life. I'm good. Love the people I'm working with. Love the mission that we're on. So for two months, I didn't take that phone call. It kept coming back, and I didn't take it until finally my wife one day said, listen, what if that's God telling you you need to listen to him and follow and, and see what's going on? He said, you should at least take the call. So I did. It was a call for a position at Global Media Outreach, where I am today. So I guess I gave away the, <laughs> I guess I gave away the story. I ended up taking the, the position and ended up going there. That was tough. I told my wife during that whole process, I said, hey, listen, you've got your hand on the veto button, you know, the easy button. You know, I said, you got your hand on the veto button. If you feel anything is just going sideways in this, if you hear God saying anything, you hit that button and no harm, no foul. We're staying where we are. We're good knowing at the time that we had seven grandchildren right here where we are and another one, an eighth one on the way. My wife said, you know, if God's telling us to do it, we need to do it. We need to be faithful. And so we packed up everything we had, moved to Dallas from Colorado Springs. Big move and, and got started at Global Media Outreach. I found that the time that you spend seeking God's guidance for every next step that you take often will set you up for what you're about to do next or what's coming down the line that you can't even see yet. You may not even be aware of it. And I'm wondering if that's been your experience since joining Global Media Outreach and how your time so far there has looked. Well, I think every step along the way did set me up for it. You know, the, the business background part of it, the ministering to people around the world and evangelism around the world, even though we're doing it differently than what we were doing there at, at Every Home for Christ, uh, we're doing everything electronically here. It's still that passion to reach the lost. 
was just really birthed during that time. You know, here's an interesting thing. You know, I, I told you that verse. I said Psalm 46:10, and it's be still and know that I am God. That was all God gave me at the time. He gave me that part of that verse. It wasn't until I got into global media outreach and had been there for several months when I read that verse again. I'd read it how many times during my life? But I read it again and got the rest of the story. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And that was exactly what we were doing. We were raising up the name of Jesus all around the earth. And so it was just so exciting. It was almost confirmation right there. He said, you know, see, I knew what I was doing. Here it is. And you get to be a part of it. I want to dive into the work that you guys do at Global Media Outreach. But before we jump into that, I did want to get your perspective since you have this interesting, heavy business background transitioning into ministry. You know, obviously, one of the things that we talk a lot about on this podcast is money and specifically the idea that really everything belongs to God and we are managers of that. How did your view of money or wealth possessions shift as you transitioned from the business world to the ministry world? You know, I always felt like I was pretty generous. My wife would say I'm pretty, a pretty generous guy. And that, you know, as far as tithing and stuff like that goes, that was just an automatic from the time I grew up. So that, that was all that was going to happen. I mean, that's just built in, you know, so, yeah, so you've got that part. You know, as, as I started having full responsibility for the balance sheet and everything of a ministry, oh, man, I tell you what, you feel there is a heavy burden that comes on you all of a sudden when you're responsible for God's money because it's God's money. It's hard earned by the people that donate to you, that, that partner with you in getting that ministry done. But I tell you what, it just there's another level right there that you take responsibility for to not to waste any of it, but to use it for what you're called to do. I tell you what, that was very sobering, more than I thought it would be. I've always been responsible, but that really hit me hard when I realized what was happening there. And we've got limited funds. We've got limited time to do what we do. And how do we do the best with what we've got? So, yeah, that was that was something that hit me pretty hard. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, we always talk about that on a on a personal level, but I think you're you I mean you're exactly right. Once you literally have, you know, God's funds, God's wealth that has been directly given from the church, other believers to advance his kingdom explicitly for that reason. That's a very real, tangible weight to that that you carry. And I mean, it's obvious, but I had never really thought of it that way. And I think that that applies to us on a personal level, too, exactly in the way that you're describing that. I think that's actually a helpful mindset for us to think about on a personal level in the same way that God has provided your ministry with all the funds that he has. He's provided each of us with whatever funds come through our hands, and, and we're responsible in the same way that you are for the funds that he's given you in global media outreach, we're each responsible for that with whatever he gives us. I think one of the stories that I remember the most, it didn't happen that long ago, but I was sitting in a building on the, in Houston, up on the, one of the top floors, looking out over some, through some huge windows at Houston. And a gentleman was telling me about all of Houston, how it's designed, because you could see it all from this window. And he and his wife were there so we had this conversation and we ended up sitting down at the table and had, you know, just talked some more. And they had been very generous with the ministry. 
And I asked him at the end, which I always do this at the end of our conversations, I'll say, what's one thing I could pray for you right now? And he teared up. And I looked at his wife and she started nodding, nodding her head. And she said, you asked a very sensitive question for him right now, because the one thing that was on his mind was how do I give responsibly? I've been so blessed and giving to him, he wanted it to be a joy. And yet he was having a hard time trying to figure out, God, where do I put this? Where do I put that? Should I give to this? Should I not give to that? Should I? And having to make those decisions was becoming a burden on him. And that one conversation that we had right there, first of all, we got to pray for him and we, it was good. It was a great time that we had, but it also just cemented that into me, how hard people work to get what they have, to what give what they're giving. And we have got to be responsible in every way with those treasures that they give to us to use. So Jeff, last time we talked, you shared the story of the founding of GMO and I thought it was so fascinating. I was hoping you could share a little bit more about how it was founded and what GMO sets out to do today. Well, the vision of Global Media Outreach is that everyone on earth would have multiple opportunities to know Jesus. That's what it was in 2004 when it was founded. That's what it is today. You know, giving everyone on earth multiple opportunities to know Jesus. It was founded by Walt Wilson. Walt was one of the first project managers for Steve Jobs, you may know that name, from Apple, <laughs> and actually had the privilege of being fired by him twice without ever leaving the building. He said, I knew he'd come around, and so I just hung around, and by the next day, everything was okay. <laughs> so he already had kind of that technology type of background, went to work for another organization, and they actually sent him and another group of people to MIT back in the day to figure out what this thing called the World Wide Web was. To us, I mean, we, we know what that is. We've heard about it. To them, it was brand new. So they're whiteboarding at MIT. How do we monetize the World Wide Web? Which is why he was there, too, is how do I monetize the World Wide Web? That was his task. Well, in the middle of that whiteboarding session, he said it was like a cone of silence came over me. And God said, you can use this technology to reach every person on earth for Christ. And as soon as he heard it, it went away. But it impacted him in such a way that several years later, he said, we're, we're going to do this thing and we're going to figure it out. And we're going to we're going to reach the world for Christ using the power of the Internet. And so what was some of the initial strategies that GMO was using back then? How did they... How do they set about to actually do that, to use the internet to reach the world for Christ? So they started out in a one-room office above a gym in Silicon Valley in a church. Walt uh, got invited to go and see the premiere of Passion of the Christ that Mel Gibson did. So he flew down to Southern California, went to the premiere, went down to the hotel lobby one morning to grab a cup of coffee, and there was a homeless-looking guy standing in front of him wearing a hooded sweatshirt and just looking kind of ratty. And Walt figured he's just there to score a cup of coffee and a Danish and get out of the weather. And so when the guy got his stuff, he turned around, and Walt said, good morning. And Mel Gibson said, good morning to you. <laughs> Walt then asked him, he said, well, hey, would you mind if we used portions of the movie, Passion of the Christ, 
and attach a gospel presentation on the on the backside of that and see if we can attract people to Christ and ask them if they would like to become a Christian, if they would like to be a believer, pray the prayer of salvation. Mel Gibson said, yeah, sure. If anybody gives you a hard time, have them give me a call, but I'm good with it. Now, that would never happen today. Not like that. There's too many things going on. But 22,000 people made a decision for Christ based on that little piece that they did, that they ran for Passion to Christ. That's what started the whole thing. They went into it not knowing how they were going to do it or what even they were going to do. But that was the start right there. So 22,000 people made a decision. We just this year had our 250 millionth person indicated decision for Christ since 2004. So that's what's happened from that simple gospel presentation on that movie. That's incredible. And so impressive that Walt had that vision way back then, and he could take himself out of the self-motivated desire to earn from the advent of the World Wide Web and how can I increase my my own wealth and my own stature and get in on this essentially. And, and he instead allowed God to work through him to use that as a tool to do things that could never be done before. And I'm wondering, it's certainly the case in 2004, but even more so now, how is technology providing new opportunities to share Christ? Well, it's amazing what's happening right now. You know, for a long time, people would go, how in the world do you get these numbers? You know, how can this happen? Having 50,000 indicated decisions a day, we're reaching close to 500,000 people every day with a gospel presentation. And, but people would go, how does that happen? And they wouldn't understand it. You'd have to explain a lot to them. Then all of a sudden, this weird thing called COVID happened. And everyone decided, man, we got to figure out digital technology. Churches started, uh, you know, broadcasting on Facebook Live or whatever they were doing. And, and di- we had to learn technology. Everybody did. And so as that started happening, we don't get those questions as much anymore because people are figuring it out. And they go, man, we're reaching more people with our message from church than we ever have before. We're, we're selling more books. We're doing whatever we're doing. And, and so they're seeing the power of technology. What we're seeing right now is so many more channels even beginning to open up. When we started, we were 100% Google, just just all over Google. But now you got Facebook, you got WhatsApp, you've got so many different things. TikTok, you've got influencers out there right now that are reaching millions and millions of people. And if you can attach on with those guys, you can get free advertising and you can just take it all around the world. There's so many things you can do right now. And if we can take it and use it for good, you know, the Internet's used for bad a lot of times. People will look at that and go, wow, I don't want to get anywhere near there. Well, guess what? It can be used for good, too. And God's doing that in a big, big way right now. So we're having, we're having a good time with it. Actually, we just, if you want to, one of the things that technology did was showed us that we don't have to work in an office. And so we just got done subleasing our space. We're all 100% remote right now. We've gone for over a year remote. We tested it out. We found out it works. So we did that, saving a little money and reinvesting it back into the ministry. So that's another thing that technology has helped us to do. And so what's the actual process of what, I guess, one of the end users or the the people that you're reaching goes through, what they experience on their end as they're coming into contact with a lot of the material that you guys create and make accessible? Sure. So when somebody goes on the, when they go on the internet and they're searching for something, they they usually have something they're searching for. It could be hope. 
we've got specialized groups. If people are have suicide questions or something like that, we'll we'll send them to a, a specialized group. And, but what we saw during COVID was there was not just hope itself, but fear and anxiety were building up in people. And they're trying to find answers for, you know, how do I get rid of this anxiety, the fear, you know, the real live and, you know, things that were going on inside them. And uh, so we'll have different websites up and different questions that we're asking people or different responses that we've got. At any given time, we could have 100, 110 different sites up, you know, advertising in different ways. But somebody will go and they'll click on one of those sites and it'll give them an answer to how do I find hope. But as the answer starts coming around, all of a sudden they realize that, well, this is kind of turning into Jesus is really the only answer there is. And then it'll go through basically a four spiritual laws kind of kind of explanation there. And at the very end, it'll give an opportunity to pray a prayer. Then we will ask them for a response. Did you pray the prayer? Yes. Did you pray the prayer? No. Or do you need more information? So you've got those opportunities right there. Right now we're reaching, like I said, about 500,000 people a day. About 50,000 people a day are indicating a decision. Well, even if they indicate a decision, say, yes, I prayed the prayer, then we ask them for their contact information. When we get that, we have 3,500 volunteer online missionaries all around the world. They respond in about 40 different languages. They will respond to them and say, do you realize what you just did? Do you know what it is to have prayed that prayer? Do you know what it is to be a, a Christian? And they will get counseled through that that process right there. If they say no, we're still going to give them just about the same thing. you know. And if they've got questions, they're still going to get about the same thing so that we can try to get their contact information and start and start ministering to them. So from that point, they'll get a they'll get a 30 day next steps guide that'll lead them through their next 30 days. If they need a Bible, we'll help them download a Bible. Last year with Version and Faith Comes by Hearing, we had over a million Bible downloads off our sites. And so a lot of people that are hungry for the Word, and we're, hey, we give it away. You know, of course, we're not dealing with print. I mean, you know, if you're talking about a print Bible, it's legit and it costs money. But we're able to give those to them for free. So that's a good thing that we see happening. So... Those are those are just some of the things that happen during that process right there. I saw on your website you have a map of the world that has different colors popping up and numbers across the bottom that are indicating when someone views some of your content, when someone indicates a decision for Christ, and when there's a discipleship activity, which I'm guessing is exactly what you just explained. And I'm curious on what types of media that you're actually sharing when people go in and are searching for hope or whatever it might be on Google, and they come across your materials, what are they finding? There's a variety of different things that they're going to find when they get onto the onto the sites. We've got there's some videos in there. There's a discipleship material. There's a Bible studies. And then the online missionaries will kind of ask people too, what, you know, why are you here? What are you doing? What do you need? And they'll, they'll determine that, and then they can steer them to certain resources. So there's a lot of different stuff that, that's going on behind the scenes in there. So there's just a huge variety. One of the things that, you know, you said you saw on the live map, which is really cool. And if you, if, if you look at that witness to all.com, you'd actually see that live map that shows you about half of what we're doing because that's just the Google part, but it's a real time map. And when you're seeing those dots right there, 
it is just amazing if you look at those and you go, those are actual people. Those are actual people that are coming to a site and they're hearing about Jesus. And it's really cool when you think about that. It, that same thing, though, is doing a couple other things for us. We geolocate each one of those dots so we know where each one is. They're, that's in real time, but we know where it is, where they are. We know what they've done by their by their IP address, so they can tell if they've been on the site before, if they're coming back, if they're in discipleship, what have they done, how far have they gone through discipleship. And so we're tracking a lot of that stuff. But through some partnerships that we've got this year, we really started going even deeper. You know, I said at the beginning that that the vision is that everyone on earth would have multiple opportunities to know Jesus. We want to make sure that everyone on earth has multiple opportunities to know Jesus, to know Jesus. So we started, and we just started implementing this. We've got it up now for our online missionaries, but we're actually asking people the questions, do you read your Bible? And how many times? Twice a week. If you're reading your Bible twice a week, we'll actually check that box right there. Have you attended church? Have you shared your faith? Have you been baptized? So we're actually starting to track that seeker journey because the goal would be to have a disciple, then to have a reproducing disciple. Have you shared your faith? Have you grown, but have you also shared? So those are some of the things that we're working on right now so that we can go deeper in that relationship. Yeah, I think you guys have a pretty impressive process that you have built out for all of the mission that you guys have laid out. And, you know, when first hearing about the ministry, I think it's easy for people to think that the end goal is is just clicks or indications and stuff like that. But clearly there is a strong relational discipleship component. And really a lot of what you guys do through search engine optimization and a lot of that angle that you guys try to approach basically evangelism is just the front door to the bulk of what you do. I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more about the discipleship process. So if somebody indicates that they are interested in faith or that, you know, they click that they've prayed to accept Christ, then how long are they connected to the ministry? And, you know, what's the process that they go through from there? They can be connected for as long as they, as long as they want to stay in. Last time I checked, we had 750,000 people that had been in a relationship with the same online missionary for a year or longer. Wow. So that's a, that's a lot. And, you know, when you're talking about people that come in off of the, you know, off of the internet and stuff, but then they stay in that relationship for that long. So really varies. You know, there are a lot of people that, you know, they'll hear the message. They'll say they prayed the prayer. We'll talk to them maybe once or twice. And then there's a lot of people that we, and we do track every one of those conversations. So we've got a, We've got a record of everything that's been said all the way through this journey. So as the online missionary is talking and asking questions, there's a whole list of stuff that they, that they try to do. And it's kind of, it's kind of formulaic the way they do it because there's certain things that they want to know and they want to try to find out that can lead them down a path to help them grow in their walk. And so they, they try to ask certain questions and try to be of help in those ways. And then that'll determine what the discipleship path is that they're going to go down. So there's many different paths they can go down. So they're trying to, they're, they're always trying to figure out what's the best way to communicate with them. Each, each person's journey is different, just like ours. Each person's, your, your journey's, your journey's different than mine. I need to hear something different than you do or, or than, than Cody. So. So what's an example of some of those discipleship paths or, or, you know, what one person might go through versus another? 
One of the one of the biggest ones, the most popular one, is actually written by a businessman that has been supporting us, and he came up with what's called thirty day next steps. So he came up with a thirty day curriculum, and we will give that to people as they they indicate a decision. They give us their contact information, and we and then we start talking to them, and we're going to give them that right there as a starting point. That'll give them what should this next thirty days look like. And there's things you can read in there and also video you can watch. So that gives them a starting point. From there, they'll start bouncing into other things that they'll want to do. And the, the online missionaries will kind of see a, you know, see that, that pattern in there. We're working in 14 major languages right now. So one of our large sites that we've got that gets a lot of hits is Arabic women. And so we'll get those coming out of Beirut, out of our office that we've got in Beirut, but they're going to go on a different journey than somebody that's coming out of Portugal. The journeys are different because their stories are different. So we, we had to go back several years ago and really start making sure that the message wasn't only translated right in language, but also culturalization. You got to yeah. get that culture right, or you could, you could say the same thing to them, but say it totally wrong because their culture is different. And so the journey is going to be different depending on where you are. So we've got language teams in for all those languages that we're ministering to where they're actually helping us make sure we've got the culturalization right as well as the language so that we're, we're, we're telling them the right story and giving them the right information. So that's why those journeys are so different. Here's an interesting thing for you. We minister by language, not by geography. So... If we're ministering in Arabic, for instance, and the Beirut team is doing that, we're also reaching people in L.A., Dearborn, Michigan, Texas. We're reaching people all around the world because they will still search in their in their language. They'll still search in Arabic. So we're reaching people in Arabic. Or if we're doing Spanish or Russian, you know, we're going to reach people all around the world. And it's interesting when we start tracking that stuff to see the how many people all around the world, you know, we always hear of the U.S. as being a melting pot. So many people come here, you know, and it's amazing when you start looking at the statistics. That happens around the world in other places, too. You know, you, you wouldn't think necessarily in Africa. All of a sudden, you're, you're going, how come Chinese is so popular up here in North Africa? But it is. So that's really interesting to me about the different kind of cultural message and presenting the gospel to a different culture or a different language. Do any examples come to mind about something that maybe isn't obvious to the average person about a cultural kind of consideration you would have to take in how you present the gospel? Well, if you're talking to a, say a man, let's go back to a Muslim kind of thing. And then let's go back to maybe in the U.S. and you've got a fear-based culture, all on fear. I'm going to talk to you different than I'm going to talk to somebody that's in the Muslim area, and it's shame-based. Don't shame me. They don't care about the fear part, but if I shame them, that shuts them down. Here you can put fear right into them. Fear is not going to do anything for them. They don't, that's not what they're, that's not what turns their crank. So, you know, so you got, you've got to know that and how to, how to minister in those different areas, how to speak to them in, in, in that, in a language that they can receive. So. Jeff, I'm interested to hear more about the volunteers. Where are they located? How do they come to you? Are you going out and finding them through your networks, or how does that work? 
The answer to all those is yes. We <laughs> we go out and find, we do find it through the different networks. Churches have been a great resource for us there. There are churches that have that have embraced what we do and say, hey, and they, they've actually got entire groups sitting at their church. And that's what that's how they minister. So all of the the online missionaries, we call them online missionaries, they're all volunteers. It's all volunteer led from the top all the way down to the bottom. If we're talking to one of the leaders there and they they say, hey, we need this, they're volunteers, but they're I mean, they're the front lines for us. So, I mean, they're, they're as much an employee as we are, you know, because what they do is so important. About one-third of them are all around the world. About two-thirds of them are based in the U.S. A lot of them are multilingual, so they, they'll know more than one language and can minister back in, in, in multiple languages. It is just amazing what they end up doing, you know, the time that they spend. We've got one in particular in Houston that I know of and. He came up to my office one day, him and his wife, and his ministry is to be an online missionary for the first four hours of his day. So from five to nine a.m., that's what he does. His wife's ministry is to serve him. She makes his breakfast, has it ready for him, doing all that, making sure coffee and all that's ready to go. And that's her part of doing the, of doing that. And they work at it together. And it's just really, it's really a cool thing that they do. We've got one. We had one in Southern California came to faith later in life. But when he did, he was sold out from day one. I mean, that boy was sold out. And every time we talked to him, he was sharing his faith, sharing his faith, sharing his faith. And the last, I've actually got a video of the last 30 seconds of his life. He was sharing to a men's group. He says, guys, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We have to share our faith. You've got to, you've got to accept Jesus. And he was going on. And one of the other men that was there was so inspired. He took out his phone and he started recording and he got the last 30 seconds and he got down to the end. You've got to share your faith. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. He says, what I feel, and he said, what I feel is lightheaded. That was it. It was done. The paramedics came and, uh, and I got to go to his memorial service in Southern California. And I got to, I got to listen to people that were around him, his friends. And, and I got to, I got to share a little bit he was ministering to a lot of people. I'm talking to the hundreds of people, but he actually had 47 individual Bible studies that he was doing with people that had come in and seen a, seen a gospel presentation had responded. And he was leading 47 individual people in Bible study. Wow. And, and he finished off by sharing his faith. That was the last thing he was doing to share his faith. The guys that are doing this stuff are, are they're dedicated they're dedicated to what they're doing. They're dedicated to bringing people into a relationship with Jesus, to taking them deeper. We could not do what we do without them. We, we could not do it. For someone who may not want to travel to another country and uproot their lives, they can still carry out that mission work online. That's just another incredible opportunity provided by technology. I'm curious to hear, as we've done this podcast, we've learned about places in the world that are very hard to reach for one reason or another. Some countries are closed off to Christian missionaries, and it's illegal to be doing those activities. Have you found any success in reaching people in those countries, and what considerations do you have to take into account there? Well, we try to be really careful. We try to make sure we're as secure as we possibly can be. You know, there's workarounds that people can always find you or whatever, but when a message comes in to us over the internet, it goes 
from, let's say, Facebook or Google or WhatsApp into a communication exchange, which is basically a white box. And it, it white labels everything. It just comes out as text to our online missionaries. So they don't have a name. They don't have a location. They don't have any of that kind of stuff. And when it goes back out from them, it comes back out through the same thing, but it goes back out through the channel that they came in. So we're trying to be as secure as we possibly can, and that it works out. It works out well. So one of the really cool things that's happening right now from our group that's doing the Arabic language, they're starting to do some small groups. They're doing them online. These are people that have come online, have seen a gospel presentation, and are now wanting to know more. And I was talking to our language director that's out there just the other day, and he shared a screen with me, and I was looking at it, and he's going, Jeff, you got to see this. And he's showing this to me, and he's going, here's the small groups that I'm starting to lead over here, and we're doing this in Arabic. And he says, I've had 660 people come to small groups over here. I'm going, it sounds like a lot, but in our numbers, it doesn't sound like a lot. And he, he got on me in a hurry. He said, Jeff, you don't understand, do you? I've gone to the same church in Beirut now for 12 years. We haven't had 100 new people come through our door in 12 years. If I was to tell the congregation at my church what's happening online with these groups, they would call me a liar and probably kick me out of the church because they would not believe it. But I've got it documented. Here's the small group leader. Here's what we talked about. Here's the person that came in. And he showed me how those were working and how many times each one of those guys had been in a, in the small group that he was doing. Then he scrolls down a little bit further and he showed me a pie chart. And in the pie chart was Yemen, Syria, Congo, and eight countries that were in there represented. And he said, Jeff, 95% of these people are Muslim and they're joining in. He said, when we do our calls, it's, we're doing a Zoom call basically. He said they'll probably have their face blacked out so we don't see their face, but they're worshiping, they're learning the Bible, and they're joining in on these groups. That's what's happening through the power of the Internet right now. And people, you know, because of COVID, I think, are willing to do that more than they would have ever before. But we're seeing some just tremendous, tremendous results right now all around the world. doesn't matter what language you're talking about. The results are just phenomenal right now. Yeah, it's so interesting how God pieces together all these different pieces of the puzzle that we're often blind to until they they hit us in the face. But we have heard from a whole variety of ministries that COVID just completely turned things around or amplified things in ways that we could never have expected. And how much is that like God to take what's truly a historic disaster to still bring out his glory and to bring his kingdom to earth through what would otherwise be horrendous situation? And that's one of the things that I love about just watching God work all around the world is how he really has the whole picture in his head. And and he just gives us the bits and pieces that we need at a time and just calls us to act when he asks us to take one more step. And and it sounds like that's exactly what you guys are doing and and are seeing a lot of fruit because of it. Well, we really are. And it it really does take that, you be still and know that I'm God, walk in his steps you know, when we first went remote back beginning of March, a year and a half ago, you know, and we went remote, all of a sudden, you know, we, we prayed together every day, every morning. But now we were 50% remote than the rest of the people were in the office. 
all of a sudden everybody was on a screen and we got to pray together for the first time, really, you know, ever, everybody together every day. And it opened up things that we never saw before, whether it was prayer for partners, prayer for donors, prayer for the online missionaries or prayer for each other. It brought us together as a staff more than we'd ever been before. But we also saw a whole bunch of answers to prayer. You know, God, what about this? Should we do this? Should we not do that? It's been really an interesting dynamic. Like you said, what God can do if we give him a chance, even through this. You know, we've seen a lot of ministries, a lot of businesses, a lot of people go through a lot of hardships, too. I mean, there's there have been both. We have been truly blessed as a ministry financially in the impact that we've had around the world. We've been blessed. And I'm not saying I want to go through that again, but yeah. <laughs> we're still kind of going through it. But, you know, God has done some miraculous, miraculous things and open doors. We started last year at, we start every year at the first part of the year, just giving it back to God. So January 1, well, one of the things we talked about is Revelation 3.8. And if you look at the, this is the revised interpretation of Jeff Gowler, so it's not official, but <laughs> the way I read it and the way I interpreted it was, I know you well, you not, are not strong, but you have not denied my name. Therefore, I've opened doors that no man can slam shut. And man, did we see some open doors last year. It was just crazy what happened. We had one more that I haven't even told you about, and that was uh, Explore God. And I don't know if you've heard of Explore God or not, but go to exploregod.com. Wonderful ministry with lots of material, lots of video. And they actually, we actually merged together just four weeks ago and brought the two ministries together. They held loosely to what they were doing and said, we want to expand. We want this ministry to flourish and to grow. We think the best way it can grow is to not hold on to it, but to, but to incorporate it into what you're doing. So this is going to give us an opportunity to do even more in the United States and reach people even earlier in their journey. So that just took place, and we're, we're excited about it. It's, again, God opening one more door if you just take time and listen. And they were listening, we were listening, and it came together in a real beautiful story. So. So I'm curious, you know, as we're talking about God having this bigger story, bigger picture in mind and how he uses each of us individually and how he uses individual ministries, each as kind of a piece to his bigger puzzle. I'm curious about how you guys have partnered with and, and continue to partner with other ministries around the world doing either similar work or different kind of work and how you put those pieces together. I know you've mentioned uh, version which is huge. I know, and you mentioned faith comes by hearing. How have you guys developed those kind of partnerships or any others that are out there? And, and how have you seen God work through that? Well, partnerships are integral in what we're trying to do, because if you take a from a business standpoint, a sales funnel, we work at the top of the funnel for the majority of what we do. And that's attracting a large, large audience. It's our responsibility then to do something with that audience, I think. So, and we can't do it all. We know we can't do it all. If Somebody wants a Bible, we, I'm not going to go rewrite the Bible. We don't need to do that. It's, it was already written. You know, let's use the resources that are out there. If we're trying to get people into a community of believers, a church or whatever, there's people that are out there that right now have located, geolocated churches. They have the ability to put people into a church. We, if we've got the audience, can we find a way to partner with people and do that? We're actually, we just got done doing a big test in Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, and India. 
And we, we're actually doing that right now. And we're seeing it happen. And it's through partnerships. It's not just us, but it's us being willing to share. It's them being willing to join into the story and coming together for the, you know, for the greater good of the seeker and the kingdom. You know, throwing out some of our stuff you know, that we, that we would take and just hold on tightly to ourselves, you know, but going, listen, if we work together, we can do some really, really cool stuff. And so we're seeing a lot of that right now. We're also seeing a lot of other ministries that are going down that same thing too. They're go, they're figuring out, they've figured out technology and now they're going, okay, now how do we bring all those pieces and parts together? Because when you have a lot of different technology, you're going, that doesn't even talk to each other. You know, we, we've got to figure out ways to make all those things work together. But as we are doing that, man, the impact is just, it's exponential how, how much it's growing. So partnerships are huge in all this stuff. Well, Jeff, I wanted to revisit the mission statement. I love the way it's worded to give everyone multiple opportunities to know Christ. And I'm curious, what's the progress towards that? And what would it take to accomplish that? Well, it's an interesting question because it is a ginormous task. And we're not, I'm not going to say that we're going to reach everybody because we're not. That's not going to happen. Other ministries are doing what they're doing. We're doing what we're doing together. Hopefully we do that. From our place where we sit right now, last year we crossed over since 2004. We've reached 2 billion people with the gospel of Jesus. And that's, that's a lot. But there's 7.5 billion people in the world. And it's not like the population doesn't continue to increase. It's, it's going up and it's going down every day, you know. So more people, more people that need to hear. Right now we're reaching 500,000 or so people every day, each and every day, sharing Jesus with them. Not every one of those is going to respond the first time. And that's why we have to give them multiple opportunities. So it's, it's, it's happening. If we're looking at it right now, it's, it's a daunting, daunting task that's out in front of us. But there's a lot of groups that are out there right now that are working on the same thing. And I think a lot of people are trying to not step on each other's feet. You know, the, there's finishing the task that's doing a wonderful job, you know, trying to bring people together to make sure, you know, that everybody's got a Bible, everybody's got people, you know, believers and all that. And, it, and they're working on languages. There's other groups out here that are doing stuff together. There, there's a huge amount of work being done right now all around the world. For us, one of the goals that we've got, we want to get it to where we're reaching 2 million people a day. We're reaching over 500,000. We want to reach 2 million people a day. The simple math on that is if we were to start doing that within the next year or so, we would actually reach 7.5 billion people by 2030. Wow. That's not to say you'd reach everyone, but we'd reach that. We'd be able to do that. Last year, when we finished off the year, which we just did, we reached 168 million people last year which was the biggest year we've had by a long shot. So it's good. But like I was saying before we before we started talking, the new year comes and we start at zero. You get to start going again. Well, Jeff, as we're getting towards the end of our episode today, we wanted to leave a couple minutes for our manager minute. And just a reminder for anyone who's joining us for the first time today, you know, we spend all this time talking about the idea that we are managers of God's wealth, that everything always has and always will belong to him. And and we're really just managers on his behalf. And so at the end of every episode, we like to give our listeners one practical action they can take right now as a manager of God's wealth. And when we have guests on the show, we like to give them a chance to share an idea of their own. So Jeff, do you have a quick suggestion for how people can be using any 
financial margin they have to serve their communities and advance their gospel or build God's kingdom? You know, for me, I had to wrestle through this back several years ago because there was a time when I had when I had more of the treasure and I could give more treasure. There were other times when I had talent that worked, and sometimes you've got time. And so when I look at it, there's a combination of all of those things, and not all of us can give all of those things. But we're all called upon to do our best and to give of our best in our time, our talent, and our treasure. Our online missionaries are giving of their time. They're sharing that time. They're donating that time. They're, and, it's, and it's benefiting the, the kingdom. There's other people that are sharing their talents you know, to help us do what we do or to help other people do what they do. And then there's other people that help put the fuel on the fire. And that's through their treasure. And all those parts and all those pieces are, they all come together. We have to have them all. If we don't have one of those, if one of those falls off, the whole thing comes apart. So when I'm looking at it, I've gone through the different places in my own life. As I look at them now, they're all important. They all have to be functioning. They all have to be well. And if they're all well, it's going to work. Yeah, beautifully said. I think you're spot on on that. Well, before we finish up, I did want to give you a chance to tell people how they can learn more about global media outreach and get involved in what you guys are doing. I know there's probably multiple ways that people can do that using their time, talents, and treasures. So how can people learn more about what you guys are doing and get involved? Well, there are multiple ways. Every one of those ways right there, they can get involved. So that's true. But globalmediaoutreach.org, that's the website. It's got pretty much all the information on there. If you want to see that, if you want to see how you can become involved, it'll show you a lot about what we do. And then if you go to exploregod.org, that's another big one right there. It, right now, it's, it's a standalone site where it's going to have its, it will we'll continue to use exploregod.org. But go in there and check some of that out. They've got some exciting things in there too that we'll start incorporating together, bringing those together to, to reach people even earlier in that, that exploration of who God is and taking them further down. So go to one of those two, go to both of them. They both got a lot of stuff in there. Well, thanks so much for being generous with your time tonight, Jeff. We really appreciate you sharing your story and telling us more about global media outreach and the incredible work that that organization continues to do under your leadership. Well, Cody, Keelan, both of you appreciate your time. Thank you for allowing me to do this. It's been a privilege and, and an honor, really. And I've enjoyed the other episodes that you've done, too. They're a blessing. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line, the finish line movement, or anything else you heard on the show today, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Instagram at finishlinepledge, through our website at finishlinepledge.com, or by email at hello at finishlinepledge.com. Send us any questions you have, and we'll answer them in one of our future episodes. Even better, join the conversation on the Finish Line forums. There you can discuss your thoughts about recent episodes, read stories of generosity, and ask questions about setting a financial finish line. Check it out at finishlinepledge.com forum. Finally, if you want to find any references or links from today's show, you can always find them in our show notes at finishlinepledge.com episode 31. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next time. <music>